Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. Welcome to the Monday edition of The Athletic Hockey Show. I'm Julian McKenzie. Uh, Normally you hear Ian Mendez's voice. Uh, The reason why he's not here this week I think he still needs time to process uh, the Bill Murray and Khalees dating rumors. They've been a big shock to everyone. And I think Ian just needs a little bit more time to process uh, that news. So he's taking a seat. And uh, Mark Lazarus, friend of the Monday show, is tapping in in his place. Marky Mark, what's up, man? Julian, I'm glad to see you here. I wasn't sure if you would be done spraying champagne on all the other 38 million Canadians after some guy won a mid-level Okay, all right, all right, all right. Stop, 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 stop. I understand the show is called The Athletic Hockey Show, and we are going to get to some hockey topics because the Stanley Cup Final is on. Game 5 will be Tuesday in Vegas. The journalism contingent has been making their way from Florida to Vegas. But... We have a hater on the podcast, people. <laughs> not a hater. I'm a big golf guy. You are a hater. I'm not a hater. hater. I'm I am a bemused observer that anytime a look, look, look. I'm the I'm the designated American here on the Monday show. And oh my God. the the stereotype of Americans is we're jingoistic monsters who will just chant USA, you know, when we see a red, white, and blue truck go by. But I'm telling you, man, there's nothing like the entire country of Canada. The instant any athlete does anything of consequence, like you win like a bronze medal in like a ski jumping event and you're throwing parades. I, I love it. It's adorable. It's Mark, adorable. Context, but people were tweeting context, out last night that this was one of the greatest Mark, moments in Canadian Mark, sports history. Brother Mark, brother Mark, let me history. at least apply context. Can I please apply context here? Please. The RBC Canadian Open in golf took place this past weekend. The final round occurred on the Sunday. Nick Taylor. A Canadian not only wins the RBC Canadian Open, wins it in a four-hole playoff, and drains a 72-and-a-half-foot putt to win it was the awesome. Open. It was awesome. Open that Canadians consider, Canadian golfers consider, as the fifth major of the tournament. A well, that's tournament, freaking delusional. Canadi- Canadians have not won. A Canadian has not, had not won that tournament in 69 years. That is not a nice stat. <laughs> And no, you it, it was tell look, me it was that after I, I, all that happened, and that not, that was the longest putt. How Nick many of Taylor you knew who Nick Taylor made. was? How many of you knew, knew who Nick, Nick Taylor, Taylor was? was? I knew Nick Taylor was. That doesn't demean the moment by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination. 72 and a half feet. That's the longest putt he's made. That's the longest putt made by anyone all week. And that won the damn open look, in I, a playoff. Look, I watched most of the fourth that's round. Not one of the biggest moments in Canadian sporting history. History. I'm not saying it's big. 
history. I'm not saying it's bigger than the golden goal. I'm not saying it's bigger than Canada winning a gold medal in women's soccer. But this is what this is. This it's is a what pretty big moment, though. Give, the, it, give it, it, was, it was. It was. It was a really cool moment. But there's something over the top about the way Canada celebrates the smallest things. And this is not a small thing. But the fact that you do this every time there's like the most minute thing you win, then it becomes kind of funny to it's those not watching minute, on the outside. Though. It's a big deal. Is it? Yes. It's a mid-level PGA event. It is not the fifth major in anyone's eyes. It's the country's eyes. open and a Canadian won it. And he did it in the most exciting way possible. It's a big deal. It's it's it, it I, I won't I will grant it, you that it's, it's a big deal. The big, it like was celebrated like world peace had been achieved. Okay, whoa! I don't think we're gonna go that far just because Adam <laughs> Hadwin, the golfer uh, who got tackled by a security guard, <laughs> which was awesome too, by the way, that was pretty hilarious to see. <laughs> just because that happened doesn't mean that like we're all like, oh man, world peace has been achieved. Uh, the war mission accomplished. No one this, put up a mission like the whole banner at the at the at the golf tournament course. This is like, you know, you know, you know how there's, there's this weird sect of Canadians that think Paul Henderson deserves to be in the Hall of Fame because of one exhibition I goal? I if I agree like, with that. Now, now Nick Taylor is going to be in the, in the World Golf Hall of Fame because of one putt. Like, this is... Why this are you is, being a hater? Why because can't it's you just funny. let this because it's cook? Because everyone says Why that Americans are these, cook? like, brain... Everyone says Americans are these brainless jingoists. And I just want the world to know that everyone is a brainless jingoist. Oh Everyone. my God! You need to stop. <laughs> you need to stop. Okay. Just when it seemed like we were agreeing with each other <laughs> off the fact that the Colorado Avalanche and all the small things should be their thing. Oh yeah, you, yeah. You did warn yeah, me. About you did that not get the, the taste of what I got. Oh my God! I was looking at your mentions. It was so like, I got like literally three hundred something quote tweets to that tweet saying that I was like the the worst person in the world that I didn't like fun. I'm just like, you do it, and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. You know what's funny? What the hell, someone man? The After I put up that tweet, someone you, I know you were you were warning me, and someone like, "Well, we like Julian," and I was like, "That's not a nice <laughs> thing to say." And then I saw how nice the responses were, and I was like, "Oh, okay, you know what? I see it." <laughs> oh, oh, for like for like a week and a half after that, every time all the small things played at arena, I would get tagged by like a hundred people. Better call Mark Lazarus. They're playing. They're, they're violating the Blink One Eighty Two Accords. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't Florida Panthers, as we actually segue into hockey here, why don't the Florida Panthers co-opt uh, my own worst enemy by lit? That's at least twice I've heard it this postseason, and the fans were getting behind it. I think it that, was that done song, the game too, but that yeah. song is played in more hockey arenas than Stomp, uh, Stomp and Tom Collins is. I swear to God, I've never covered a hockey game. Connors, not Collins. Sorry, see, that's my bad. Uh, I, I've There's never... jingoism. <laughs> <laughs> He's Canadian. Yeah, that's you, my country. You won't, you won't even bother to say names right. That's how oh, much you don't give a I damn just about this us. In? Drake sucks. Cancel the show. <laughs> Daniel Lehman, our, our producer for today. I'm done with the show. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. But no, I'm uh, done. It ain't so. I will not go. <laughs> Carry me. Home. I'm done. I'm done. What is this blasphemy here? When did this turn into Canada versus I'm, America? I'm t- <laughs> It's a hard day, man. <laughs> it um, is a hard day, but you don't have to make it any more harder than it's supposed to be. <laughs> anyway. I like poke. I like poking the polar bear. Clearly, yes. But look, look, Clearly it's you funny. Do. You mentioned the lit song, "My Own Worst Enemy." I swear that's been played at every single hockey game I've ever covered in every single arena in the league. Somebody should just claim it, and then once they claim it, you'll have like thirty other fan, thirty-one other fan bases that are all mad that we did that seven years ago, and then we can have another all the small things thing, and I won't tweet about it. Here's the thing. I think hockey fans 
when you look at, especially when you compare them to like soccer fans, and I'm not including the hooliganism here, but if there's one thing hockey's missing, it's for teams and fans to have their own thing in terms of chants and songs and something that's super original. So I think when I when we both feel that the Avalanche should co-opt all the small things, or in this case, the Florida Panthers who are in the Stanley Cup Finals, and I mean, see, they're throwing rats on the ice. I love that. They've been doing that when they did that in the 96 uh, Cup Final against Colorado. That was awesome to see. Like, it's, I want more teams to have their thing. So I think when you suggest that like a team should co-opt a song and have it be their thing. I don't may, I get why people maybe some people are a little butt hurt and they're like, hey man, that's gatekeeping. But it's cool. It's awesome. Yeah, it's Teams not gatekeeping. It's like it's no, come up with your it's own. A thing. Yes. Just, like just come up with your own. Yes. And it's the, totally the, possible the, the, to do that. The cover of the athletics book, you know, wrapping up Peter Baugh's terrific coverage of that of that playoff run was uh carry me home or all it was something like that. Yes. I mean like like that's how that's how you know intrinsically related that Blink-182 song is with the Avalanche. They win. They got it. Other people did it, but they got it. So come up with your own. It'd be great if every, you know, I, you know my, my, my soccer knowledge is limited to Ted Lasso, but like, and, uh, and uh, the uh, White Lotus. But the, the songs they sing are really weird, random, like pop songs from the 60s, right? Like I'm blowing bubbles or whatever. Like you that's, can do, they do variations on that, and then they do come up with their own original songs. Yes, for the most part, like that's it's fun, it's cool. Like like when when the Blackhawks opened the season in uh, in Berlin, uh, they played mm-hmm. a preseason game, or uh, they opened the season in Prague, but they played a preseason game in Berlin against uh, Ice Baron, and their fans were sitting there singing the entire game. Like they weren't even watching the game, and they were just having yeah. fun. They had all these chants and songs. It's like, all right, maybe don't do it the entire game. Maybe watch a little bit, but like. That's fun, and it creates a unique atmosphere. And you know, and uh, you know, the the Red Wings are throwing an octopus, and the uh, Panthers are throwing a rat, and the Islanders are chanting "Yes, yes, yes!" Like, come up with your own thing, right? That's Seriously, what's fun, man. If I had enough money to, uh, you know, partake in the expansion fee, and I was building like the thirty third or thirty fourth NHL team, and I'm trying to figure out what the fan culture is looking like. I'm looking at some of those European European yeah. hockey teams and how they go about cheering on their teams. Like it's cool. You get the little tifos up in the crowd. Like I really feel that culture should be changed for the better when it comes to watching games in North America because it's kind of sad sometimes. Yeah, going into need, arenas they, and people are just quiet. Well, part of that is the corporate culture of the arena set because they're the only ones that yes. can afford the tickets. Like if you if. If if average people could afford tickets to hockey games, I think the environments in a lot of these arenas in Chicago and Toronto and New York in particular, uh, where it's mm-hmm. like five hundred bucks to sit in the lower bowl, I think you'd have a more engaged crowd. Uh, but yeah, like like you know, and it's got to happen organically, right? Like it can't just be like, okay, this year we're doing this. It can't be like the the social media person tweets everybody at three minutes into the second period, we're all singing this song. Like it's got to happen organically, but it's it's not that hard for that to happen. You know, you can you can kind of like subtly nudge your fans in a direction and, and start a thing like that. But the more organic it is, the 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 deeper the roots will be and the more fun it'll be. And then you have your thing. Like that's we should we, we want more of that. And that's that's all I was saying in my tweet where I got eviscerated for was come up with your own thing. Don't just the, the Colorado yeah. won. They get that now. They might not have been the first, but they coined it now. It's theirs. Come up Seriously. with something different. There's a billion Seriously. great songs out there that are fun to sing along to. Billion great songs, billion great chants you could do. That's the point we were trying to make. So if you want to get mad at us, uh, nobody got Twitter, mad at you. Yes, everybody got mad. At you. <laughs> <laughs> someone, someone accused me of gatekeeping. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's what it is. Like, oh, what? So I can't sing a song that I like? It's a popular song that came out 23 years ago. I can't sing a song that I like? The NHL should retire all of these songs at every other <laughs> rink. Is that what you're saying? Is that is that it? Is that what you're saying? Let's look at Vegas. So let's look at the cup final matchup as it is now and, and try to relate the point that we were trying to make earlier. But like, were we trying Vegas to make a wins, point earlier? I don't know really at this point. Uh, it's it's Monday. Uh, Vegas, one win away from winning the Stanley Cup. Game five on Tuesday. I would love to know from your vantage point, Mark, as much as you have watched, because it is offseason for a couple people, and people do like to take breaks and stuff. Any sense of, from, from your vantage point, or at least from what you've seen, who do you think is the biggest reason why the Golden Knights have reached this point that they're on, on the verge of their first ever Stanley Cup? I mean, Marcheseau or Eichel are going to win the Conn Smythe, but it's Aiden Hill. It's Aiden Hill. Like, they're not going anywhere if Aiden Hill doesn't have a 935 save percentage. If, you know, this is, this is, and, 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 you know, the more I think about it, the more I'm starting to think goalies are the new running backs, where it is really mm-hmm. dumb to invest a lot of money into them because they're so random. Aiden Hill's a 27-year-old who never played more than, what, 25 games in a season before, never played in the playoffs. He's the third string goalie on this team, and he's going to win you the Stanley Cup. This is Anti Niemi in 2010. This is Jordan Bennington, who went on an incredible run and really hasn't been very good since. Uh, who, who was it last year? It was um, uh, 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 well, Darcy well, Kemper. Well, Darcy Kemper. Yeah, and who then is, Pavel Francouz took over right. for a couple games too. Like, like we're just seeing, like, you know, yes, Connor Hellebuck is awesome, and Igor Shesterkin is awesome, and Ilya Sorokin is awesome. And if you can get one of those guys, great. But beyond maybe three or four guys, spending any money on a goalie is just idiotic right now. Because we're seeing that it's it's a lot about the right timing. It's a lot about the right fit. It's the team in front of you. And goalies, goaltending in general is just so unpredictable at this point that, you know, what the hell? Just go nuts. Like, well, look at Bobrovsky. Who saw this coming from Bobrovsky? He wasn't even the starting goalie going into the playoffs either. How many times do we have to see this? That maybe spending $10.5 million on a goalie is not the best use of your resources. Which is kind of ironic you mentioned Bobrovsky because he's the most expensive goaltender left in this postseason. And how's that going? I mean, it got him there. I, you, you can't, you can't it grab got, it's not got the him there. there. But I'm just saying, like, he was the backup going into the uh, playoffs. He was. But also, to your point about Aiden Hill, Aiden Hill entered the Stanley Cup final with slightly better numbers than Sergei Bobrovsky. It's just that Sergei Bobrovsky was doing what he was doing on a team that was the lowest possible seed in the Eastern Conference, getting into the postseason when it almost looked as if they weren't going to make it. It was Alex Lyon who had to carry them into the playoffs. And he got the start, and then Sergey Bobrovsky did his thing. But Aiden Hill, uh, he was my pre-series pick to win the Conn Smythe. I'm not sure at this point if he'll still get it, but you're right. Like, he deserves so much credit. And and I feel, I mean, Joe Smith did a great job of, of, of writing a story on him a couple of days ago. But I, it felt like his story was kind of pushed to the back, considering how good Vegas was, considering how we were very much enamored with Sergey Bobrovsky, considering how enamored we were with Matthew Kachuk becoming a star, a superstar worthy of being profiled in People magazine and being on and inside the uh, the NBA on TNT, rubbing shoulders with Charles Barkley wearing an elbow room shirt. Like Aiden Hill was very much pushed to the back, and then Game yeah. One happens. But I mean, for the rest of the series, I mean, I think I think Jonathan Marchessault so will, he would be my pick if I had a vote to win for for who should win the Conn Smythe Trophy and. Maybe it's a bit of a spoiler for our Conn Smythe winner of the week at the end of the show. But um, I don't know. I, 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 it's really interesting to see people kind of bring up Jack Eichel and and say, hey, well, he's been performing as well as he has. He's been 
a big reason why Marcia Sill has been performing the way that he has, and he deserves just as much of a chance at the Consmith Trophy. I don't know if you have a vote in this, but like, I, I wonder where you would actually vote. Well, it's tough because like, any time you have a team that wins the Stanley Cup, unless it's you know a, a very unusual circuit, you're going to have several guys who have been playing like on the run of their careers. That's how you win a Stanley Cup is you have multiple players playing unbelievable hockey. So, I mean, you can, Eichel has been just a monster, like wh- whether he's producing yes. or not, you could tell he's just the, he's the best player on the ice. Uh, March is so scoring all these goals. You can't deny that he's scoring all these goals. He's on an incredible streak. Aiden Hill, his numbers are ridiculous. And I'm a guy who believes that goaltenders are by far the most important. Like I always have a goalie or two on my heart ballot because how could you argue that almost any skater short of Connor McDavid is more valuable to any team than a goalie? So I, the goalies, goalies always deserve more Conn Smythe consideration in my mind. I thought, you know, the, the, the three years I voted on the Conn Smythe were 2013, 2014, and 2015. And mm-hmm. Corey Crawford probably should have won the Conn Smythe in 13, and he probably should have won it in 15 because Hawks don't get that far without him. Um, you know, and, and every year you have these debates. I remember, what was it, the Crosby and, uh, and Kessel um, in 16 or 17. There's always yeah. a few people that deserve it because you can't win the Stanley Cup on the back of just one man. You're always going to have three or four guys that are doing it for you. Well, one thing we should mention with Aiden Hill, uh, pending a free agent after yeah, the Stanley he's going to get over. someone is and, and no offense to Aiden Hill here, who has been spectacular. Someone is going to overpay him so badly based on six really good weeks because we've seen this a million times. Are they? I mean, if you if you read uh, Michael Russo and and Pierre LeBrun and I've never I heard give me there was. A- <laughs> I'm trying to remember all the writers who came together on the um, the offseason trade board uh, that was put out last week. Uh, but like some names like Connor Hellebuck could be yeah. thrown out there for trade. John Gibson is also available out there. In terms of free agent goalies, too, Aiden Hill, Freddie Anderson, um, uh, Tristan Jari in, in Pittsburgh. I, I wonder for a guy like Aiden Hill, if if you're a guy, if you're if you're a GM looking to pay money, I mean, let's never underestimate the power of GMs throwing out money at a, at a, at a problem or, or an issue that they need solved. But considering all the goalies that are out there, I do wonder what that means for, for, for Aiden Hill, especially if he wins a con Spife trophy, they at least has that over all those other goalies, but are well, teams you, willing to take that chance on a guy who just came out of nowhere. And you're right. Was a third string to start the year. If you look at Aiden Hill and you look at his entire body of work, he should probably get what? 1.25, 1.5 million tops. Someone's going to throw three or four million at him. And it might not be a $10.5 million contract, but he's going to be overpaid by somebody based on this cup run. And, you know, we'll see. It might turn out to be goaltenders are, they develop later than a lot of players do, just like defensemen. You know, he's 27. He's not an old man. At goal, as, as far mm-hmm. as goalies go, he's, he's just entering the prime of his career. It might be a prudent investment. You know, he might, this might just be his coming out party. Or again, he might be anti Niemi. And if you go back, that, that's the name I keep hearing the most when people talk about what Aiden Hill is doing. And if you remember, um, the Sharks made a, 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 if I'm remembering everything right back in the 2010s, a long time ago, the Sharks yes. made a qualifying offer on Nicholas Jalmerson, which forced mm-hmm. the Blackhawks to choose between either Antti Niemi, their Stanley Cup winning goalie, or Nicholas Jalmerson, who at the time didn't have the reputation that he had as one of the great defensive defensemen. They chose mm-hmm. to match Jalmerson, which means they had to let Niemi walk. And that proved to be the right decision. But at the time, you let people were up in arms. Like, how could you let your Stanley Cup winning goalie leave? So the 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 shine on a Stanley Cup winning goalie cannot be understated in the eyes of GMs. In particular, this guy's proven he can win the big games. He's proven he's got the heart. You know all that. And Aiden Hill has. He's been phenomenal. 
Like, I have nothing bad to say about Aiden Hill. But if you look at his body of work and what he probably should get, he's going to get a whole lot more, even if it's in Vegas. And, and, and the fact that we're seeing more and more teams consider this tandem style for goaltending as yep. opposed to just shelling out all that money towards one guy, that does kind of lean more into the running backification of the goaltending position in the NHL, which should be, which is the most important position as far as I'm concerned. Well, that, I mean, I guess you and center in terms of goaltending, yeah, center, it, which, one do, you, which one do you value like, more? It, it, like, like, I don't know, like center, you, you build through the middle, but who's stopping all those pucks to keep you in? I just literally watched the Calgary Flames team with a, a team that was supposed to have really good depth up and down the middle, but what ultimately doomed them? A lot of things, but goaltending's right at the top of the list. Right, and it's weird because with running backs, you know, it, it's become, you know, Anyone who's good enough to be in the NFL can succeed behind a good offensive line and a good scheme. Goaltending is mm-hmm. not that simple. It's not that no. cut and dry. But the randomness of goaltending, I think, is what's going to prevent teams from starting or at least at least cause them to rethink. You know, Connor Hellebuck is one of the five best players in the NHL, probably. Do you want to give him $11 million, though? I don't know. You consider Connor Hellebuck as one of the five. He should best be in the conversation. In the I mean, he's been on my heart ballot enough times to be considered of that. Yeah, I don't Hellebuck have or Shesterkin, f- whoever, whichever goal you want to put on there. I don't have Hellebuck in my top five players, but I do see where you're getting. I mean, I have Shesterkin over Hellebuck, but Hellebuck's really good. Yeah, they're, they're super important, valuable players that, in theory, should be worth the same amount as a Nathan McKinnon or uh, uh, you know uh, 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 that level of player, uh, Kale McCarr even, but they're not because. Just the randomness of it. It's, it's, I, you can't, every goalie turns into a pumpkin at some point and every pumpkin turns into a princess. It makes no sense. <laughs> and I don't know if you can commit one eighth of your salary cap in a flat cap world, even with the, you know, it's going to go up sometime. Yeah. We've been saying that for how many years now? At yeah, some point, <laughs> how could you devote that much money to a goaltender knowing that we're seeing more and more that playing 45, 50 games is a better way of doing it? than playing 65-70. This isn't the Marty Brodeur years anymore. No. Thank you so much, by the way, for for you know making light of the fact that uh, we keep hearing that the cap's going to go up year <laughs> in, year out. Because we're, we're, we're I, just like, Charlie Brown running after the football, I'm telling you. That, that's basically it. And like I, I do believe that the salary cap number is going to go up in a couple years. But like you're right. I feel like I've been hearing it for like the last two, three years. Like, man, that number's going to go up, man. All yeah. these teams going to afford all these players and all that. Like, it's going to be a $100 million you know, salary cap. You'll see. <laughs> That being said, though, I think uh, some star players should start signing those uh, short-term deals when the salary cap does actually go up, so that way they can take advantage of that. Preach. I don't know if you've been catching wind of... uh, Why is it every time you're on, we end up talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs? Uh, I think it's a federal law. Yeah, something like... (laughs) Can't have a hockey podcast without asking how it affects the Leafs, right? Because there's people in in Toronto who are worried about Austin Matthews signing like a two- or three-year deal. Which he should you know, do. He absolutely he actually should, should do. do. <laughs> he absolutely because should if do the it. cap is going to go up in two years, why would you commit to a long-term contract now when you're one of no. the best players in the world? <clears throat> Bet on yourself. Oh, man. I, every you. year, we've been talking about this for like 10 years. When is an NHL player going to take the NBA route and bet on himself and just every yeah. two years get a new contract and go from making 11 million to 13 million to 15 million to 17 million? When is someone going to do that? If anyone's going to do that, it's Austin Matthews. He's kind of the most... I don't know, for lack of a better term, modern NHL player, I think, forward thinking. And mm-hmm. but it's just it's not how it's not how they're just raised, right? They're they're yeah. taught that job security is more important than the AAV. But I you know, I wish Pasternak would do I wish someone would have done this 
and it would completely change the entire sport. The first time someone does it and it pays off, everyone's going to do it. July 1st, whatever year Austin Matthews becomes a free agent, uh, let's say in a world where he signs like a two or three year deal. So let's not think of next July where he would presumably be a free agent if he doesn't sign. But could you imagine the the way it gets promoted on like a Sportsnet or a TSN for free agent frenzy? I don't know how how Americans get down on that day, but like just the We're frenzy, <laughs> the mad. Yeah, no, <laughs> nobody's watching. That, this is America. What are we talking about? This is America. It's a Thursday. Okay, <laughs> we're we're there. Everyone's getting ready for July Fourth. I get it. Or maybe they've already started partying for what I've seen. But anyway, like that would be such an amazing, fun. And I, I understand the NBA comparisons and all that because of some other guy who tried to decide their own future and make it a whole big spectacle of themselves. That worked out for them, sort of. <laughs> well, what's going to happen, though, what, what I'm really interested in seeing is when, if and when it does happen, how does the hockey world react to it? Is it like, oh, this guy's selfish. He's all about the money. He's all about oh, himself. They're, they're going to get team. that. Like, are we gonna, gonna get are all the hockey men going to get their, you know, their uh, underwear in a twist here? Oh, they are going to get that in a twist like that. But you know what's going to happen? We're likely going to see a lot more eyeballs than we would normally see for a player of that caliber potentially joining a franchise yeah. that's not the Toronto Maple Leafs. If he joins in L.A., if he joins in New York, if he joins a big major market, we're all going to be like, oh, my God, this is happening. And it's going to be a big deal. But. We're not there yet. We're not there. We are yet. not there yet. We're not there yet. But no. I think Matthews is, I think he's the only one that could really trigger that new way of thinking. I think if he does it, others will follow. And I speak really of hope, a Matthews. There's no offense to Toronto, but I really hope he does it just to shake up how stayed the, the NHL off seasons are, right? It's fun. Yes. Hot snow season is so fun in every other league. It sucks in the NHL. There's yeah. like three like number four defensemen that are changing teams every year. It's like, ooh, it's a big, and it's always a seven-year contract. I want to see chaos. Mark, the the at one point, the number one uh, available free agent uh, for this year's class was David Severson. And he oh got traded. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Like, you know, Blackhawks fans keep asking, who are the Blackhawks going to sign to play with Connor Bernard? I'm like, there ain't nobody to sign. This is the year for this. <laughs> Next year we can talk. Next year there's some names out there. There's no. This is like this might be the unsexiest free agent class in the history of the NHL. But that's all the more reason for like the trade mill to be like pumped up more, right? Like if all right, fine. Maybe you're not going to like Patrick Kane is going to be a free agent this year. If this was five years ago, maybe we'd be more excited. But like all He's coming the more off major hip us, surgery, it's going to yeah, it's going to affect you know. Not important, but like, <laughs> of course it is. But like, imagine like Pierre Dubois. He's all like, "Oh, hey man, like you know, I'm not going to sign an extension to Winnipeg." The, the top three players on the Athletics offseason trade board are Winnipeg Jets. Like, imagine if if like one of those guys move, we're gonna be like, "Whoa, it's gonna be a big deal." If they move all three of those dudes, that's that's a banner year for for us caring about that type of stuff. And and, and, uh, and here's my concern offseason. about you know we talked about maybe Matthews could change things, and he might not. Because, you know, Bill Zito went out and made the big trade for Kachuk, and it worked out like gangbusters, but do we really expect all of a sudden every GM in the NHL is going to be all bold and be willing to trade superstars for superstars, or is it just going to be more of the same, you know, futures picks? Like, I don't th I don't see a sea change happening in, in NHL front offices. They still want the long-term deals, and they still want to keep their, hoard their star players, and they don't have the, you know, the guts to make, you know, incredibly bold. Like, that, that Zito trade, he lost the trade. I read all the stories, man. Calgary yeah. Calgary crushed it. Oh, Brad Living, he's the best GM in the history. And then he got fired. And Bill Zito went okay, to the Brad, Stanley Cup Brad final. Living, Brad Living left on his own. Excuse accord. me. Yes, he left. 
And that was Toronto. God, Godspeed, my man. <laughs> but like, but here's here's something that's interesting uh, with regards to the two teams of the final because yes, the Vegas Golden Knights didn't really do that much last offseason. Yes, the Florida Panthers were quiet at the deadline, but those are two teams that are essentially going to be defined by the movement they did to build the teams that they have. Mm-hmm. Remember when Jack Eichel? The sweepstakes over him and Vegas won that. That was a big swing to take on top of all the other big swings that they were Mark doing Stone, for years course, and years yeah. and years. Mark Stone, Alex Petrangelo, all that. Matthew Kachuk, like, changed the look of the franchise. It the turns Florida out Panthers. trying to make your team better makes your team better. Who knew? So, like, I've been, think- I've been thinking about it because I've had to, like, talk about this on different platforms throughout the weekend. But, like, if you're a GM and you're thinking about making big swings, like, how do you not look at these two teams in the final and say, like, see, look, like you can go out of your way to make big swings and make something work. And you can put yourself in a position where you end up in a cup final and compete like this might be the final to kind of I mean, in a perfect world, this would be the final to sway GM's opinions about being conservative at a deadline or in the offseason or, or in any other circumstances where they can make a trade that can make their team better. And it won't. It just won't. It won't until this mo- the current crop of GMs kind of goes off into the sunset and new, younger, bolder GMs do. I think that's just the way it is. These guys, you, you know, Leopard doesn't change his spots, and these guys are going to be conservative for the most part. And you'll have a couple of outliers like you do in Vegas, like you do in Florida. But that's just not the way it works in hockey. And I, there needs to be some kind of seismic event. You'd think the Kachuk trade might have been that event, but it doesn't feel that way, does it? It doesn't feel like we're just on the verge of or on the precipice of some chaotic offseason. It's going to be more of the same. And I don't think you that, could be you know, wrong, though. I, I hope I'm wrong. I'd love to be wrong. I just don't think I am. I think you're still going to be see guys, you know, overvalue their own prospects, overvalue their own draft picks, overvalue their own stars and not be willing to part with them because it's safer and there's more job security in kind of standing pat and running it back every year. I think I that's so. what we're going to see. Yeah, I mean, it is fun to dream, though. It, it is fun is. to dream about a really hectic offseason where we're I'll, all running I'll be honest, up and though, down like, trying to cover these trades. I, I watch the NBA, and I'm like, man, it must be exhausting to be an NBA yes. beat writer in the offseason. I'm thinking hockey, like, by noon on July 2nd, everyone's like, I'm off to the cabin, guys. See you later. Like, I'm not, maybe I don't want to give that up. I don't have a cabin, but I, I do like just disappearing for the summer, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't be rooting for all this. It'd be a lot more work for us. Sham Sharania must have like three phones. Oh God, I can only imagine what those guys' life is like. Yeah, I have no idea. I'm I'm glad nobody talks to me. It's just easier that way. <laughs> I want more people to talk to me, but I don't know if that's famous last words. <laughs> I don't know. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, uh, we should mention with Matthew Kachuk, though, uh, I did want to get to him and, and, and this great conversation and led to being what it was. But like that guy has been taking a beating throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs, in particular in this cup final. And uh, people were starting to ask about his health um, after game four and uh, seemed a little bit uh, up in the air. I think he's going to play in game five. 
But could you imagine a world where Matthew Kachuk is just not available for the Florida Panthers on Tuesday? He'll play. He'll play because this is hockey. But is he going to be effective? That's the question. And he's playing with one arm, basically. Like, whatever he's dealing with. You know, he took that big hit and he had, like, the, the Bambi legs. And we all got worried about And he got taken off of the mm-hmm. concussion spotter correctly. But I, th- there's clearly something wrong with his arm or his shoulder or his collarbone. Whatever he's playing with, we're going to find out soon enough. And we're all going to be, like, cringing. Like when Patrice Bergeron was playing with a hole in his lung and a cracked rib mm-hmm. and all this stuff. Like, like we glorify this stuff and I sort of wish we wouldn't because it's bad for these guys in, in their long-term careers. But I understand that you spend your whole life waiting to get to this moment. You're going to play no matter what. But he's not Matthew Kachuk right now. He's just some guy. And he's not helping anybody by being out there. I mean, as great as he is, as admirable as it is, he's not really helping. And that's why the Panthers, that's why... I don't, I don't see how they can come back in this series. Their best player, and I love Sasha Barkov, and Ratko Guda said he was the best player in the world, but Matthew Kachuk is their best player, and he's a shell of himself right now. He's just not able to play at the way he needs to play, and it's just hard to imagine the Panthers winning four st- uh, three straight against a, a Vegas team that's just a wagon right now without him at 100% or even close. Can't wait to hear in a couple days that Matthew Kachuk was playing with a separated shoulder for the last two weeks. It was held together by dental floss. Exactly. Like these guys are just, it's, it's like Dreisaitl last year, you know, playing one on foot. one leg. And he was awesome. But, I mean, imagine if you, I mean, we got to see this year what it's like when he's on two legs in the playoffs. I mean, he's so good. But you kind of, like, wish these guys wouldn't put themselves through that because you could shorten your career doing that. And I get it. That's what we love. We love the sacrifice and the grit and the gotta do any whatever you can. And it's it is fun, and we all glorify it. But it's like at the same time, it's like, oh my god, we're we're expecting too much of these people, and they're they're yeah. putting themselves in harm's way. But that's what also makes athletes so much more different from human beings, like you and I. Like if I was if I was trying to play through like a cracked lug, like a not cracked rib, or cracked rib, or or collapsed lung, like you wouldn't see me. A collapsed lung, <laughs> you wouldn't see me. I'd be gone. I'd be like, nah, I'm done. I'm wrapping hey it up. Hey, man, I covered a game in Anaheim this year while dealing with a kidney stone. I was in the hospital oh, that morning. I'm hockey tough. I was whimpering I'm the whole so time, sorry. and it was pathetic, but I still, I was there. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh. I have, I have a nagging cough right now, and I'm here podcasting. I'm a goddamn hero. Yeah, that's right, Mark Lazarus. You, you you complain on the podcast while you have your nagging cough. I I I'm Gregory Campbell. I am Bobby Bond. I am I am Willis Reed. I am all those things rolled into one because I have a slight tickle in my throat. Oh no! Oh god! Oh man! Okay, well let's not let's not let's not bring up Mark Lazarus's ego anymore. Um, you did kind of touch <laughs> off on something uh, with regards to Matthew Kachuk being healthy and the, and the chances for for Florida coming back down through one. I mean, they, they have done it before against yep. uh, the greatest regular season of all time of the Boston Bruins. By the way, uh, I'm not going to stop reminding people, Ian Mendez and I told you the Boston Bruins were not going to make the cup final this year. We were right. Your apologies better be as loud as the disrespect. I just want that <laughs> said. But I, I, I do think uh, if the Florida Panthers find, even if they get a win, in game five, like I, I still, I mean, I, there's a part of me that still sees it. Like I, I want to see them try hard and, and do this and be this kind of team of destiny because they found a way to do it against the Boston Bruins. That before gentlemen, the gentlemen sweeping the Leafs and 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 actually sweeping the Carolina Hurricanes. Like you're right, Kachuk has to be healthy, but like they do have the pieces to at least make this sort of interesting, right? Like Carver Hagee's yep. been getting all these game winners. Uh, he's got pieces on defense like Eric Aaron Ekblad as well. Sergey Bobrovsky, I get it. The, the series so far has not really gone his way, 
one game changes everything. Yeah. He goes it, God mode in game five, changes everything. And that's realistic. We've seen it enough this year. Yes. Sergei Bobrovsky is the reason that the Panthers can still win this series. Because we've seen him, just how good he was against Carolina, just how good he was in the previous series, and Toronto. He can do it. He's got it in him. He is a two-time Vezina winning goalie who's the real deal when he's on. And, you know, if he gets, if he has a big game five and he gets that confidence going again, of course it's possible. We see this in hockey more than we see it in other sports, right? Like, and momentum, you know, I, I always, I always ask athletes this question because I'm fascinated by it, whether momentum really exists or not. And over the years, I've come to the conclusion that it does exist because they believe it exists. Like it really, like there's no such thing as momentum. We all know that that's not a real thing, but in their heads it does. And that confidence boost basically creates that momentum, right? If they believe it, it's true, then it's true. And so if you have a big game by Bobrovsky and they get some goals, you know, if Montour and Verhage and, and Barkov kind of get, you know, really gets, gets going downhill, then they're going to start believing, Hey, we've done this before. We've got the goalie. And then we're going home for game six. And if we win that, then it's all bets are off game seven. It's not hard to make that leap. It's hard to imagine them doing it without Kachuk, but they've got the goalie. They can do it. They could do it. Also, I want to, I want to, here's the thing, man. With, with the fact that you ask athletes about whether or not the bets have existed, you think it exists because players exist. That's like some dangerous logic, right? Like, what if, some, <laughs> what if, what if you start talking with enough people about fighting? It's like I don't think it brings CTE, and then like, and then be, it's like, you know, oh, I believe it because players you know, say that. Like, it's no. it's funny because the other, the other, the state, and then in a similar vein, you know, I'm 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 kind of I'm pretty anti fighting in hockey. I think it's time to get rid of it. I don't like it. Uh, oh yeah, but athletes believe that fighting prevents. You know, cheap shotting and stuff like that. Like it does. You answer the bell. That's, so that's what they say. It, it's stupid as hell that it does. That like a that throwing two punches against a plastic helmeted head makes up for you know Marion Hosa murder getting murdered by Rafi Torres. But Jamal Mayers jumps over the boards, fights Rafi Torres a year later. Roll done. Bob's your uncle. You know, and then it's all over. Like it's imbecilic that that's a thing that actually happens. But the players believe that's okay, so therefore it works. I think fighting is stupid. The players think it has a purpose. Therefore, it has a purpose. And 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 if you try to say like, hey, well, what about like head trauma and all that stuff? You get people like Ryan Reeves. No shade to Ryan Reeves. Good individual. But you'll get people like him who will be like, well, go play volleyball. Right. This is a man's sport. <laughs> no shade. Again, no shade to Ryan Reeves. Uh, it was cool talking to him for the, the story I wrote about hockey fights. Uh, but uh, yeah, when I heard that, I was like, yeah, wow. Okay. So like NHL players really... They really don't want to push away from fighting. I mean, there are nope. guys who ultimately the game has shifted away from that old kind of, you know, style with how we see fighting now, clearly. But like there are guys that are definitely going to push for it. And the day when the NHL says, OK, we kind of have to get rid of this because in junior leagues, it's, it's getting to a point where it's catching up to us. I'm very curious about what that will look like. Or well, hey, how, maybe how, at that point, maybe those players will have been pushed out by that. How many fights, real fights, not post whistle scrums? How many fights have you seen in the playoffs this year? I can't think of any, like real fights, like a real like organized like, drop the like, gloves, scrap. you know, square up and the red, the linesman's like, like that doesn't happen in the playoffs. I'm blanking. The, I'm blanking because the players know it's too important, and fighting is stupid. They know deep down that fighting is stupid. But and so, they, and and like and I don't have a problem with seeing guys get into it after like a scrum after a whistle. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's fine. That's, that's, that's natural. Cool. That's not staged. That's just genuine emotion, and I'm mad at you. And you know, I could do without the message sending, quote unquote, at the end of a, yeah. a blowout playoff game. I hate that crap. Uh, but you know, like if, if 
you know, someone shoving their stick under your goalie's pads while he's got the puck frozen and you shove him in the face and they shove back. That's all fine. That's, that's genuine heat of the moment stuff. I got no problem with that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. But like me blinding up against the guy and then we just drop the gloves after the faceoff goes and then we're just like, all right, like why? I mean, I don't know. Unless it's like a big, like heavyweight tilt. Like if it was Lucic versus Reeves, I'd be like, okay, that's like the last heavyweight fight we're going to get in the NHL maybe ever. Other than that, I don't need to see. You know what? And, 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 and the ones that really bug me are the ones where, you know, guy delivers a clean hit. So someone has to fight the guy. Oh, yeah. Like that's, that, that's where we go too far. Like, and I, I wish that like, I, I know, like, you know, when you're seeing out of the corner of your eye when you're on the ice, like, was that clean hit or was that a high hit? I don't know. But th- yeah. th- those drive me nuts. Like, you shouldn't have to answer the bell, quote unquote, for delivering a perfectly clean body check. This is hockey. We're allowed to body check people. And if you drive your shoulder through someone's chest across the middle of the ice, you know, you shouldn't have to fight someone for doing that. Next time we have Mark Lazarus on the Monday show, we need you to compile a top 10 list of things you hate about this sport. And oh, just let no, you don't paint me like that. Don't paint me like that. I, I <laughs> love the, the sport. I don't like some of the I stupid the shit that goes too. around the sport. Don't, but I, I'm, I think not, the fact- I'm not some hockey hater. I love this. I love the game. And no, I, but, I, but here's I don't, the thing. But there are things that we could do to make it so much better. But that's it. But that's my thing about it. I think if you love the sport of hockey, this shouldn't be that much of a problem for you to be like, hey, man, you know what? This should be better. This should be better. This should be better. Because you could be a genuine hater and be like, oh, well, these guys are playing on knives. This sport sucks. Or you could actually provide constructive criticism and be like, no, the culture should be better. So when I say like, hey, you should mention 10 things that like you hate about the sport. Yes, it's done in jest. But I also am not saying that because I think you you. You're a hater enough as well, it I, is. I feel like I but have I this reputation as like a wet blanket who hates the game, and it's not. Like I just I care okay, about the game, right, and I want it to be better. You know. All right. I'm sorry for painting. No, you no, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's just <laughs> no, you know. no. Your vo- your voice pitched up. You don't think it's that okay? I understand. I I don't want people to get the wrong impression. Okay. I don't hate this. Hate the sport at all. But there are. Th- it's like you look at other sports, and baseball realize. Shit, man, this game is too slow. Let's have a pitch clock. The pitch the, clock. the shift is ruining baseball. Let's prevent the shift. Basketball, right. put in a shot clock at one point and added the three-point line. NFL said, we want more offense, so you can't touch a wide receiver anymore, and you can't touch a quarterback, and the game's better than it's ever been. The hockey's like, no, must be the same game that Toe Blake played. Overtime hockey, Eddie Shore. <laughs> I, saw, I saw a Toe Blake reference on the timeline today. I was like, what the hell are we on? <laughs> anyway, um, before we get to Cod Smythe, winner of the week candidates, Mark, I just need you to go into the mic and just assure all of our fans, uh, all hawk, all the entire hockey world, I just need you to say, I'm Mark Lazarus, and I don't hate hockey. Can you just I'm do Mark that? I'm Mark Lazarus, and I hate everything. Oh, my God. You can't even do that. Hey, might as well play into the character, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> We're going to get called Soy Boys. <laughs> soy Boys. Soy Boys with a Z at the end. Don't forget the Z. The Z with is a Z. A, a Z. Z. Excuse me, a Z, yes. Yeah, this, this is the Monday show. We have to abide by some Canadian federal laws. <laughs> I have not been adding use to any of my words. I will go back and, and, and change the script for the uh, transcript. Well, thank God for that. Con Smythe winner of the week. Uh, if you've been following us throughout the postseason, uh, we try to uh, award uh, a player who we feel has been uh, playing worthy of the Con Smythe uh, over the past week. Uh, our candidates, uh, Jonathan Marchessault or Jonathan Marchessault, depending on which part I love of the it world when you live in. That, by the way, I I love saying it that way. It's just the, the is camp, he? The I don't little... even know. Is he? Is he? Does he have a French Canadian background? Like would he pronounce it that way? He's he's Quebecois. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. So I didn't. Of know course, that. he okay. would. That's fair. 
Um, there, anyway, um, three <laughs> goals. No, there was a time when like I did this episode, uh, did the show, and I said, I forget whose name I said in French, but it might have been a Vegas player, and someone on Twitter got mad about that. I don't know. <laughs> it, it was a Vegas player, or it was either Chris Letang's name. Because Chris Letang's name's always kind of, like, I always kept hearing Chris Letang as Chris Letang, and then when I hear, like, RDS or, like, some of my French-Canadian friends, like, say his name, they say Chris Letang, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute, I, that's one I genuinely did not know, but, like, there's Letang and Letang, but, like, Letang is, like, persistent, but that's that's neither here nor there. Then I you digress. have Quebecois like Corey Crawford. I mean, you could get away with Corey Crawford. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess like French people, they'll say my name like Julian McKenzie or whatever. Like, all right, cool, but like you don't you don't have to overdo it. It's fine. <laughs> anyway, Cod's wife, uh, winner of the week candidates, uh, Jonathan Barchasso, uh, on a nine-game point streak, but uh, six points in the last week. Uh, Chandler Stevenson, two goals in game four, four points in his last three. Uh, Matthew Kachuk last week scored the game-tying goal in Game 3. He has three points in his last three. Uh, Carter Verhage got the OT goal in Game 3. Jack Eichel, not to be forgotten, three assists in his last three games. Who do you think is most deserving? Of and we should throw Aiden Hill in there because Aiden Hill's still we out should. there winning games. Um, he I, is I, out there. He's winning games. I think you got to go with Marcheseau for the week. You know, he's just so hot, right? And the hardest thing to do is to score goals, especially in the playoffs. And he's scoring mm-hmm. goals. Jack Eichel might have a lot to do with why Vegas is playing so well. He's playing great all over the ice. Uh, you know, I could very easily just say every week that it's been Eichel. But what Marchezo is doing is, I mean, it's pretty extraordinary what he's doing uh, at this stage of the game to be scoring this frequently. I'll, I'll, I'd give it to him. I'm giving it to him too, man. I'm still thinking about that beautiful play that Jack Eichel's doing from I forget where he makes the sick pass from it was in game three I want to say and then Jonathan Marcheseau right place at the right time not even just it's the one thing for him to get the shot but if you look at where that finish is where Bobrovsky's trying to cover up the net he gets this tight window at the top like that's just as impressive to me as the pass and that's yeah. the best goal he scored in the last few days he's deserving of the Consumite winner of the week for me very possible that at the end of this week he could win the Consmith Trophy, but uh, that may also be dependent on if uh, the Florida Panthers don't come back from a three-one series. Small guys. detail, yeah, very <laughs> tiny detail. Uh, one last thing before we get out of here: multiple choice madness. Looking again at the off-season trade board, Mark, I'm going to need you to put on your GM hat and uh, imagine you were just a, a team that was in need of a goalie. Which of these goalies on the Athletics trade board would you make a move for? A, Connor Hellebuck, B, John Gibson, C, Carter Hart, or D, would you wait for free agency and sign either one of Aiden Hill, Freddie Anderson, or Tristan Jari? Like, I'm going to be totally undercutting my message from earlier because I said that goalies aren't (laughs) important anymore, but Connor Hellebuck is one of the three or four guys that are. And if I can get Connor Hellebuck on my team, I am doing whatever I have to do to get Connor Hellebuck on my team because he is invaluable. Like you can't put a level on on just how good and how important he is. He can take a mediocre team and make him good. He could take a good team and make it great. Hellebuck's the guy I'm going after. But if if the price is too high and it very well might be, you know, I think I'm looking at free agency because you can get an Aiden Hill or Freddie. I, I, I've 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 historically been a Freddie Anderson hater. I always think that he wilts in the end, but he was really, really good in this postseason. He proved me wrong. And he's a guy that, you know, I know I'm pretty sure Carolina wants him back. They want to keep him and Ronta, but there are mm. going to be options out there. And again, unless you're getting a Hellebuck, Shesterkin, Sorokin, maybe Soros, then you shouldn't be investing that much money or that much 
uh, trade capital into them. So if I can't get Hellebuck, I might just sit back and wait for free agency and take my chances. I mean, Connor Hellebuck's the best Vesner caliber goalie in that list. Makes perfect sense. I get Carter Hart's still a relatively young goalie. He could still get to his best. John Gibson was on a pretty bad Anaheim team, but I mean, I don't know. He's still in the prime of his career at 29. I think he could still give a good team uh, some good years. But you're right. Connor Hellebuck is the big name out there. He's he's a top name on our offseason trade board. He's the guy you probably make a move for and you find a way to make it work within your salary cap. So, yeah, we're both in agreement for Conn Smythe uh, winner of the week and for uh, multiple choice madness. And with that, Mark, uh, that brings an end to the Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Thank you so much for tapping in for Ian, man. I really appreciate it. No worries. I'm sure I won't be invited back. <laughs> we'll see about that, Mark. I'm sure you will. I mean, you know, uh, the the I, I I go on about how much you are a hater, but the truth is, is that it does fuel the show from time to time. When you're uh, on. it's always fun being on. Oh man, we, we love having you on, man. So thank you again for doing that, and thank you, uh, dear listener, for tuning in to the Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Leave a rating and a review. We would sincerely appreciate it. If you do follow us on YouTube at youtube.com slash at the athletic hockey show right now, get a one year subscription to the athletic for $2 a month. When you visit the athletic.com slash hockey show, of course, 